there is this um, popular saying going around Christian circles that goes, goes like this. All right, maybe you've seen this. Marriage isn't supposed to make you happy but holy. Ever heard of that? Marriage isn't supposed to make you happy but holy. You ever heard that? So here's the deal. You're like, you ever heard people talk about marriage? They're like, marriage is so hard. It's like going to the dentist every single day. You ever heard that? People ever say, I didn't know how much of a, a sinner and wicked person I was until I got married. And I got married and I realized how evil I am. And then the idea is that marriage, if it doesn't kill you, will make you stronger because the point of marriage is not happiness, but holiness. Anybody want to sign up for that? I mean, what we've seen in the song of songs so far is romance, love, happiness. We've seen a couple embrace one another with joy, joy in the Lord. So to say that marriage is all about hardship and for your holiness is missing the point that, yes, marriage at times can be enjoyable, fun, and you can sometimes be happy in marriage. But let's not dismiss the fact that marriage is also intended for your holiness. You will marry a sinful and flawed person. Your spouse will not marry a sinful and flawed person, but you will. When two sinners get married, there is going to be conflict. There is going to be problems. But this conflict is an opportunity for growth in holiness. If you want to grow closer to the Lord in your, in your single life or in your married life, one of the ways that you will grow is the way that you handle conflict. And that's what we're going to see this morning as we turn back to the Song of Songs. Go ahead and turn there. We're in Song of Songs chapter 5. Song of Songs chapter 5. I know many of the families are in here uh, visiting this weekend, and you're wondering, hey, what's been going on in Song of Songs so far? Well, so far, there is this couple, it's poetry, they've been quite happy, uh, but now the wedding is over, the honeymoon is over, and we're going to see some tension arise in this relationship. All is not well, and, and we're going to see some conflict. That's why in the Song of Songs, we keep coming back to Christ let me kind of put up our theme statement for Song of Songs. Song of Songs shows us a romance that celebrates God's gift of love, pleasure, and fidelity, while simultaneously pointing forward to the perfection of love in someone greater than Solomon, Jesus Christ. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see God is depicted in marriage with his people. And if you read the New Testament, you'll see Christ is depicted in marriage with the church. And the reason why we have this imagery is that we're seeing that the, the greatest love that we can have is found in the Lord. That's why we're calling the series Longing for Love, Looking to Christ. And once again, we're going to see this relationship 
between the man and the woman. And we're going to see that in this relationship they have this morning is that there can be problems. And let's just call these opportunities for growth in holiness. So here's the main gist of the sermon. I'm going to put it up for you. The main gist of the sermon is love is a heart that moves away from the self and toward the other. Now look at that. Love is a heart that moves away from the self and toward the other. It can be uh, obviously a marriage, but it can also be any of your relationships that you're having tension and conflict with, whether it's at work, your roommates, friends, or your family. Now, I want to talk to the single uh, people in here because most of you who are single, there's a lot of you in here, maybe one day you will get married. It's, it's likely, percentage-wise, that you will be married. Not, not all of you, but, but most of you. And I want you to know this. The way you handle conflict and problem people right now will carry over into your marriage. I'm going to say it again. The way that you handle conflict and problem people right now will carry over into your marriage. You may think that the way that you treat, let's say, your parents will not carry over to the way you treat your spouse. That somehow, when you get married, there is going to be this switch. Not the case. Not the case. Because marriage will not change you. It's Christ that changes you through repentance and growth in him. I have seen people who treated their parents poorly, and then they got married, and they treat their spouse poorly as well. There is no switch that happens in marriage. So if you're single, examine the relationships you have, whether it's your parents, your friends, your roommates, and let Christ sanctify you and grow you now, even before marriage. All right? So you ready for that? So here we go. We're about to talk about marriage. Let me give you three phases of marriage. All right? Here they are. Honeymoon, disillusionment, commitment. And some of you are living in the disillusionment phase right now. And some of you have been there for about six, seven years, 10, 12. It's like, when's that part going to end? Well, let's start talking about this commitment today. Let's go ahead and look at Song of Songs. We're in chapter 5, verse 2. This is the girl talking. She says this. I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound. My beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. Keep in mind, this is poetry. Perhaps it's describing an actual event or maybe even a dream. So focus, as we go through this, on the emotions and the feelings, all right? So it's, it's late at night. She's half asleep. She hears some knocking on the door, and she wakes up. It's her beloved. It's her husband. He calls out to her in terms to open the door. And he's outside, and his long hair is all wet. And he wants to come in. I just want to tell you, he wants to be intimate with her. Now, before they got married, he came around, and he had desire for her, but she said, no, 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 wait. We'll wait till we get married. So no. But now that they're married, he comes around, he's ready to be intimate, and, and she's like, no, 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 we're not going to. Wait, wait, they're married. 
Why is she telling him no? Because sometimes the problems outside the bedroom will enter the bedroom. It's very challenging and difficult to be intimate with someone you're warring with outside of the bedroom. And that's what's going on right here. That's what's going on. So look at verse 3. Look what she says. I had put off my garment. How could I put it on? I bathed my feet. How could I soil them? At first, you may think, oh, she's just cozy in her warm bed, you know? You know, like maybe you're cozy at night. You ever been like this and, you're, and your baby starts crying? You're like, oh, I don't want to get up. Or your dog starts barking. I do not want to get up. And at first, you may think, all right, she's undressed. She doesn't want to get dressed again. Her feet are clean. She doesn't want to get up. But here's the deal. This is not the real issue. Some things, what's going on right now, the scholars will say what she's doing right now, she's being passive-aggressive because she is angry. Because many think that she was ready for intimacy hours ago, but the man came home late. But now she wants to sleep while he wants intimacy. He wants to come in. She's, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm in bed. I can't. Now she's being passive-aggressive. Well, look at verse 4. My beloved put his hand to the latch, and my heart was thrilled within me. <laughs> So he starts to fiddle with the latch to see if he can get through the door. And now she says, well, my heart was thrilled with him. She may have been angry with him at first, but now she's all stirred up. I mean, she's like, all right, he's here. I'm, I'm ready. She's ready to be intimate. So she's ready to roll. And look at verse 5. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. So she gets out of bed to open the door, and all this language of hands and fingers dripping with myrrh are, are images to indicate that she is ready for intimacy. So she opens the door, and to her surprise, he's gone. He's gone. Look at verse 6. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. He's gone, and it's like her soul felt. It's like a, a deep drop within her. And she sought him, but she didn't find him. And she called him, but he didn't give an answer. And she is, is devastated and in despair. I mean, this, this is what happens in, in marriage, okay? All right, this is what happens. He pursues. She retreats. He retreats. She pursues. That'll be a, a repeated uh, problem that happens in marriage. There's a pursuit and a retreat, and then there's a retreat and a pursuit. You're like, well, why can't they just pursue at the same time? Oh, yeah. That goes back to our theme. Love is a heart that moves away from the self and toward the other. Love is a heart that moves away from the self and toward the other. In your marriage or future marriage, if you get to a point where you do not want to engage, you don't want to talk, you don't want to work things through, you're going to have this pursuit and retreat that's going to happen more often than you'd like. And what will happen is a lot of problems will start to occur. And this guy, as his uh, 
wife will not let him in, he takes off. Because he's, he's, like, he's like, I'm not going to play those games. I'm not going to engage in this war with you. So he takes off. And when there's a lack of talking, engagement, passive-aggressive behavior, there can be a lot of problems. And sometimes the problems can be huge. I'm about to tell you a story. It's a story I heard probably 20 to 25 years ago from a pastor named Tommy Nelson down in Texas. He taught Song of Songs. It's very popular. It's all over. Uh, you know, he's ta- traveled all over the world to teach it. And he told this story. And, and the more and more I think about this story, I think, you know what? I'm not so sure that that story is true. But it's such a good story, I'm going to tell it anyway. So it may or may not be true. Blame Tommy Nelson. So he tells this story that one day uh, a woman was getting ready for work. And she um, asked her husband, can you zip up the back of my dress as I get ready to leave? And so, you know, he's trying to be flirtatious and funny. He's like, zip, 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 zip. He's like doing it. And he's like, (laughs) zipper totally broke off. And she was so mad. She's like, I just got this dress cleaned. I'm late for a meeting. You broke my dress. What? And she is furious. She leaves. And she goes off to work, and she's mad all day. And then she comes home, and she's still mad. She comes home at 5.30. She comes home. Her husband's out in the garage. He's under the car. He's working underneath the car, and she's like, I'm going to get him back. And so she walks over to him, grabs a zipper on his jeans, and starts zipping back and forth. Yeah. And so then she walks in in, in her house, and in the kitchen is her husband. She's like, what? She is freaking out. And she's like, what are you doing in here? You're supposed to be under the car. He goes, yeah, you know, I came in here to make some tea for our neighbor. Our neighbor is fixing the muffler. And so she explains what happened. And, man, they, they, they rush out to the garage to say sorry. And they get out there. And they're t- calling his name, and he's not moving. And, so, and then so they, they drag him by his legs and pull him out. And so what happened, when she grabbed him, he freaked out, lifted his head up, and boom, just totally knocked himself out. I don't know if that's true or not, but that is a great story. And this is what Tommy Nelson says. He, he says, let me put this quote up for you. He says, strange and terrible things can happen. When you take retaliation and vengeance into your hands, and none of them are good. I suspect that some of you have your own stories of vengeance within marriage, some things that you have done to retaliate, and it's not gone well. Well, let's see what happens to this girl here as she goes in search for her husband. Look at verse 7. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city. So she's traveling around the city looking for him. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my veil, those watchmen of the walls. Now, once again, this is poetic imagery, and it's maybe a dream. It's not, it's not supposed to be actual events where she goes out and she gets beaten, bruised, and bloody by the night guard. But the reason why she mentions this here is that the night guards in the poetry here, they suspect that she was a prostitute in her veil. I want to make sure you see the irony here. Her husband comes for marital sex. 
she denies him, and now she is beaten because she is mistook for selling sex. And and the point of the imagery is that this woman right here, she will go to any lengths for reconciliation. How about you? How far will you go to reconcile? What risk will you take to reconcile? We'll talk more about that in a bit. Let's let's just keep going. Verse 8. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him, I am sick with love. It's like she calls out to the daughters of Jerusalem, which is a poetic device. She tells them, if they find her man, to tell him that she's sick with love. He says, you know, you know she doesn't say, hey, um, don't tell him about me going in the streets and getting beat up and all that. Don't leave that part out. But just tell him I'm sick with love. And the daughters of Jerusalem, look what they say back to her in verse 9. What is your beloved more than another beloved, O most beautiful among women? What is your beloved more than another beloved that you thus adjure us? These are her counselors, and they're like, what's so special about your man? And if your man is so special, then why did you send him away? We all need people to speak truth into our lives. We all need these counselors and friends in our life to speak truth to us, to unveil our selfishness, to, to show us what's going inside. Because a, a lot of times that we, we won't notice is that we don't think we're very selfish, we don't think we're often the ones who, who do the wrong. Uh, one uh, one uh, person has put it like this. Okay, so when you're single, uh, you know you have problems, right? For the most part, you know. But you probably don't know how big your problems are until you get married, okay? He says, he explains, it's like, it's like one hand clapping, okay? But when you get married, what happens? Oh. I'm impatient. Get married. I am so controlling. I want my way all the time. You see that? When two sinners get married, it will expose more of your junk, and there'll be these collisions where you want your own way. You, you realize that you don't want to deal with stuff. And this stuff will start coming out. It's always good to have marital conflict in community so people can start to show you, hey, man, the way you're dealing with things and your tone is is not good. Oh, the way that you're going off, that's not good. That's why in community it's good to start to deal with your heart and the way that you treat other people, especially your spouse. And so they say to her, hey, if your man is so special, Why did you send him away? And then she starts to list how awesome her guy is. We've seen these before. Let's just look at this list, how awesome her guy is. Verse 10. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, extinguished among 10,000. His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk, sitting beside a pool. His cheeks are like beds of spices, Mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. His lips are lilies dripping with liquid myrrh. 
So he's like this glowing warrior, right, with black wavy hair, his eyes like doves. And he's like, he's, he stands out among 10,000. He's so radiant. He, he looks like he's also in shape, too. Look at verse 14. His arms are rods of gold set with jewels. His body is polished ivory, bedecked with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choices of the cedars. Man, I, I used to look like this. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, this is a strong guy. It's a strong guy. And just thinking about this guy, she wants to kiss him. <laughs> look at verse 16. His mouth is most sweet, and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Oh, isn't that great? It's not just her lover, but her friend. She calls her husband her friend. And not only has this rift and this, this problem with their intimacy uh, been about uh, them being lovers, but also their friendship. This is the one she loves, and this is the one that made her risk her life to find him and to reconcile. He's worth it. She wants him back. Well, look at chapter 6. Look at these uh, girls again, what they say to her in verse 1. Where has your beloved, beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? Once again, these, these women are functioning like marriage counselors, like, okay, we have to find this guy with you. We have to help you reconcile with him. It's so important, if, men, if you're dealing with some problems, to bring others along to help you reconcile, and women to bring some problems to help you reconcile, even with your spouse. And I love this. This is great in verse 2. She knows just where to find him. My beloved has gone down to his garden to the beds of spices, to graze in the gardens and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He grazes among the lilies. She knows just where to find him, to the garden. And where is the garden? It's her. The imagery of her as the garden has been throughout this book. And she's saying, hey, there may have been conflict but we are still in love, and we are still one. We do not know who initiated the big ask, will you please forgive me? We don't know who did that, but we know that they are reconciled, and we know that they are restored, and that's what you want to come back to no matter what the conflict. You want to get to a point where you're like, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. She doesn't belong to herself, but to him. He doesn't belong to himself, but to her. They may have been selfish and not serving, and that's why the conflict came up. But right now, intimacy is restored. Once again, love is a heart that moves away from the self and toward the other. And for those of you who are in some marital conflict right now, I'm wondering, what risk will you take to reconcile? What hard things will you say are allowed to be said to you to reconcile. And if you want to get stubborn, and if you want to dig in, and if you don't want to reconcile, I must remind you of something. I want you to think about this. 
There's a story that is true that we believe as a church from the Bible. And the story goes like this. Humanity, you, you're wicked, you're evil, you rebel against God. And at the height of your rebellion against God, Jesus Christ stepped down. The Son of God came to earth, took on flesh. And he lived a perfect life in your place. And he died on the cross for you. He didn't say, well, you know, they're so lovely, I'm going to die for them. Or, no, they're so well-behaved, I'm going to die for them. Or they're doing so many good works, I'm going to die for them. No, what happens in the gospel, we believe, is that while we were still sinners, it's at that point that Christ bore our sin on the cross in himself to turn away the wrath of a holy God while you were still a sinner. Let me put it up for you. This is from the Bible, Romans 5. This is so good. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Not for the good, for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the idea is, through repentance and faith in Christ, we can be forgiven and reconciled to a holy God. And for our purposes with human conflict, we're saying, you know what? Christ moved toward me, filled me with his spirit. Now I will move toward others, no matter what's going on. You see how the gospel plays out even in your relationships. So we ask the question, does Jesus want you holy or happy? Well, he wants you holy and happy in him. In him, you'll find complete happiness. In him, he will sanctify you in holiness. But even in marriage, there can be this blend of happiness and holiness. It's, we're not in heaven. It's not perfect. I, I know things can still be a mess. But if you resolve in your heart to turn away from yourself and move toward others, there could be some reconciliation and some growth in your life. Now, I know today may have been a little hard, especially if you're in conflict. So I'd, I'd like to end on an encouraging note, and I want to talk about five ways to murder your marriage. So that's hopefully that's encouraging. I, re I read this article, and I want to share with these, these ways that you can really mess up your marriage. Um, number one, expect perfection. Expect perfection in your spouse, the way they look the way they act, their emotions, expect perfection. You will really mess up your marriage if you do that because love is a heart that moves away from the self and toward the other. How about number two? Emote. Don't communicate. Any fit throwers out here? Yeah, just throw a fit. Cuss, scream, yell, run away. Walk away. Don't communicate. And just, I'm just telling you, if you do this now as a single person, there is no voila, you don't do it anymore as a married person. And maybe you don't know that you do this. Maybe it's just that one hand clapping. I'm telling you right now, maybe you're the one that yells, that throws fits, 
doesn't deal with stuff, doesn't want to communicate. It's going to be a mess in marriage. It'll mess it up because love is a heart that moves away from self toward the other. Third one. It's a mess up your marriage right here. Keep your options open. You're always thinking there, there may be there's someone better out there. I, I know that some of you have had these conversations in your head like, I should have married someone that was nicer. I should have married someone that is more in control and stable. And before long, you think about what your should'ves have done, right? And then you start saying, I should have married someone like her or like him. And then you'll start naming people and you start thinking people. You start fantasizing these things and you're keeping your options open. And yet love is a heart that moves away from the self toward another. All right, the fourth one to really mess up your marriage is look out for number one, make it all about you, make it about your comfort, your relaxing, make it about your happiness, right? And yet love is a heart that moves away from the self toward another. And the last one, don't seek help. And for those of you who are married right now, I can think of two reasons why you would not want to seek help. You don't want other people to know how messed up you really are. You don't want people to know that you and your wife are cussing at each other every single day. You don't want people to know because it'd be so embarrassing that you and your spouse can't stand each other. You don't want people to know that. It's just embarrassing. And the second reason you may not seek help is because you don't want anybody rebuking you or telling you that what you're doing is foolish and evil and you need to repent. You don't want that. And the longer you go like that, the more messed up your marriage is going to be. But if you follow Christ, you're reminded that Christ, he came after you to forgive you, to change you, to give you grace. And no matter what conflict you find yourself in right now, he wants to empower you to move away from yourself and toward another and show Christ-centered love. Not easy. I know it's hard. But by the Spirit's help, by his power, we can move out in grace. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just, I, I know there are some conflicts going on in marriage and here. And we want to make it all about ourselves. We don't want to deal with stuff. And maybe we've tried in the past and it just crashed. Lord, I just ask you to help us to, to see the gospel, to believe, Jesus, that you have moved toward us and saved us and reconciled us to the Father and help us to move toward our spouses and talk about things that are difficult. And help us not to throw fits, to yell, to cuss, or whatever else we do as a defense mechanism. Help us to humble ourselves. I pray for the man in here who needs to humble himself. I pray for the woman in here who needs to humble themselves. I pray that they would stop their blame shifting. They would stop blaming one another for all the problems that they have and look to you, talk to you, even pray together, get in the Word together and be reconciled through the cross. 
And I also pray beyond just that. There, there, there are many people in here who have conflicts that are unreconciled. And we, many of us assume, maybe even as single people, that that will not impact our marriage. And even some of us who are married now who have unresolved conflict, they're acting like it's not going to impact our marriage. So, Lord, wherever that conflict is, may we be the ones who humble ourselves and turn away from ourselves and move toward another in love the way you have done with us through Christ. And may this movement start today. May we not wait till tomorrow because tomorrow we'll forget it all. This afternoon, Lord, I just ask you stir us up to make movement toward those we're in conflict with and seek reconciliation and love and grace. And I ask that you would empower us to do this. In Christ's name, amen.